On Wednesday, it would be exactly 100 years since a permanent cenotaph made of Portland stone was unveiled by King George V on Whitehall. And uh, on that day, the King and hundreds of military leaders, politicians and other dignitaries then walked to Westminster Abbey behind a gun carriage which carried the unknown warrior in a coffin. Oh, and yes. then the unknown warrior was buried after a short ceremony near the west door of the Abbey. So we're going to be uh, concentrating on remembrance this morning, very much with what we're doing. And we're going to start by singing Abide With Me.
We're going to watch a small part of the Remembrance Service from the Cenotaph in Whitehall on BBC One now. And of course, watching it live via the, a uh, the iPlayer means we're about 105 seconds behind what is actually going on. So when they have their uh, 11 o'clock two-minute silence, we're going to be having it after 11 o'clock, but we're just following what's on the iPlayer. So as part of that, there's going to be the two-minute silence, and feel free to stand up for the two-minute silence if you want to. That's what I'll definitely be doing. And then after the two-minute silence, a few uh, faces, a few famous people, faces that we recognise, will be laying reefs at the Cenotaph, and then we'll come away from what's going on there. So we're just going to watch BBC One for the next uh, few minutes and uh, take part in a national event. Now the General Officer Commanding London District, Major General Christopher Geeker, and the Chief of Staff, Colonel Bagshaw and the aide-de-camp from the Welsh Guards, Captain Orm Clark. And they're followed by the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, the leader of the Labour Party. Behind him, Ian Blackford of the SNP, Ed Davey for the Liberal Democrats, Geoffrey Donaldson for the Democratic Unionist Party, former Prime Ministers John Major, Tony Blair, David Cameron, Theresa May, Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, Liz Savile-Roberts, representing Plaid Cymru, Rishi Sunak, Chancellor of the Exchequer, and Ben Wallace, Secretary of State for Defence. And behind them, the service chiefs, led by General Sir Nicholas Carter, the first Sea Lord Admiral Tony Rudakin, Chief of the General Staff, General Sir Mark Carlton-Smith, and the Chief of the Air Staff. And behind them, the representatives for the Merchant Navy and Fishing Fleets, David Appleton, Air Transport, Auxiliary Association, Minnie Churchill, and the Civilian Services, Roy Wilshire, all carrying their wreaths. And they're followed by a very reduced number of High Commissioners, only five here today, usually over 40. But Malta, Bangladesh, Malawi, Papua New Guinea, St. Vincent and the Grenadines are all here laying wreaths on behalf of other members of the Commonwealth. Bridget Patel on the left, the Home Secretary, Norman Fowler, the Lord Speaker, and the Speaker of the House of Commons, Lindsay Hoyle. The Ambassador of Nepal and Ireland, and then the many representatives of the faith communities. There are filing behind the balustrade there. There are 10 Christian denominations, and in addition to them, Jewish, Islamic, Hindu, Buddhist, Zoroastrian, Baha'i, Jain, Spiritualists, and Humanists. Over the years, their number has grown at this ceremony. So it's nearly two minutes now 
until 11 o'clock and the two minutes silence. So this is the scene this morning, how very different from what we're used to. Far apart, everybody's standing. But the politicians led by the Prime Minister there. Waiting to lay their wreaths. The members of the religious denominations you see standing behind the balustrade. This every effort being made to keep people apart from each other. moment the royal party who'll be laying wreaths at the cenotaph will come out onto Whitehall led by the Prince of Wales and the Queen will be watching from the balcony. The Prince of Wales comes out first followed by the Duke of Cambridge, the Princess Royal Her Majesty the Queen, who watches from the balcony as members of the royal family take their place to the north of the cenotaph. The Prince of Wales will be laying the Queen's wreath on behalf of the whole nation. And so we wait for Big Ben to strike and the two minute silence at 11.
last post sounded by the Royal Marine Buglers and before them you saw the King's Troop on horse guards with a gun signal ending the two minute silence and now the first wreaths will be laid the first one by the Prince of Wales on behalf of the Queen Captain Boyo of the Intelligence Corps on behalf of the Duke of Edinburgh. And now the Prince of Wales lays a wreath on his own behalf. three white feathers of Wales. Watching on the balcony, the Duchess of Cornwall and the Duchess of Cambridge. On the right there, the Queen in the centre with a lady-in-waiting, and on the left, Admiral Lawrence and the Countess of Wessex as the Duke of Cambridge comes forward in the office in the uniform of a Royal Air Force officer.
Sunday. We thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that as we have just stood in memory of all those that gave their lives so that we can have freedom. 
and we thank you. We thank you for all that we've just seen. And we thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice. The sacrifice, Lord, that you gave to give us new life. This morning, Lord, we come before you with grateful hearts and thankful hearts for even though, Lord, once again, we're in this lockdown, we just pray, Lord, we pray for everybody that would just uh, those that are on their own and feeling quite lonely for those, Lord, that are um, not well. Lord, we would just ask, would you be merciful? Would you just please stay your hand? on this virus and Lord that you would help us to all do our part in keeping each other safe. Lord we thank you, we thank you for our church, we thank you Lord that we are able to even meet like this. We just give you thanks for the technology and for John and Jill and to uh, get it going Lord and sometimes things might not go right but Lord that doesn't matter. We know that you are here with us. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're with each one of us in our homes right now, that you would bless your people as we all just gather together. Lord, we thank you for our country. We thank you for our queen and we thank you for what we've just seen. And Lord, I just feel so proud to live in a country where there is freedom. And I just pray, Lord, that we would just all as a nation put you in the right place. We thank you for the Archbishop of Canterbury, who spoke openly this week about Jesus. And we just pray, Lord, that the people would just turn to you. Lord, we thank you. And we thank you for the many blessings that you have given us. We pray, Lord, today for America. We pray, Lord, that as you have uh, another uh, president elected, we just ask, Lord, that you would give this man who is now in charge, that he could now unite the country. It seems such a divided place and, and not very good at this moment. But we just pray, Lord, that your hand would be on this man and that you would just bring the country together. It just um, affects all of us, Lord, so we just ask that your that he would turn to you in all of his ways to seek your face, to bring uh, integrity back into that country. This morning, Lord, we will pray for our elderly and the vulnerable and pray for the carers that are in the residential homes looking after them. Some of them, Lord, don't really understand why they're not seeing their family and it is so sad and we would pray for them. That you would keep them safe. Lord, we pray for the young people in uni. Some of our young people are there uh, put away and they're not at all. The experience is not what they planned. But Lord, we ask that you would keep them safe too. Today, Lord, we pray for Pastor Paul's brother-in-law, Paul. We pray, Lord, that this family would experience you, that you would put your hand upon this man and that you would bring him through this uh, experience. Thank you that you've uh, brought this little baby, Edwin. And we do thank you, Lord, that you do answer prayer. 
sometimes, Lord, it seems that the situations are impossible. But with you, nothing is impossible. So we just ask you to bless Paul and Lynn and the family at this time. We continue to pray for Kath, Lord, that you will give her more movement. And even though she can't go far at the moment, but at least she can get round the house. Would you strengthen her and anyone, Lord, for Yvette, Lord, and the family? Lord, we just thank you that we can turn to you at all times and that in any situation, you are the one that can be the one that can bear all the problems and solve them. Thank you for our MCF family and for all the churches in the Neaton at this time. Just pray that you will keep them and keep us safe. So, Lord, I pray for John and Jill as he's going at this time, Lord, with his, his work and for Jill supporting them. And I pray, Lord, that um, your hand will be upon his life. Lord, this morning, as we carry on with this service now, we want to thank you for the great sacrifice that Jesus gave for us, that he gave us this free and wonderful salvation. And so as we worship you this morning, would you accept our praises? Would you uh, just glorify uh, yourself with our praise as it rises up to you? Because, Lord, we just love you and we want to serve you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Phyllis, very much. Um, it's great to join with millions of other people around the world thinking about remembrance, isn't it? And as we say, we're going to be thinking about that a lot today over the coming uh, 50 minutes or all thereabouts. We're going to sort of raise a hallelujah now. We're going to sing that together, just remembering that God is with us and God loves us and God wants us to move with him.
remember the year 1978 very well. I do. 1978 was a great year for popular music in the UK. There was 14 different number one singles that year. I bet you might remember some of them. There was uh, music from Saturday Night Fever, from Greece, Brian and Michael, 
Jill said, Brian and Michael, she knows nothing about the matchstick men and matchstick cats and dogs, and does she? Oh. Yeah, that's Brian and Michael, weren't okay. it? Yeah, those Abba, the Commodores, and Boney M, of course. Now, we know that the Boney M song by the Rivers of Babylon, it was an upbeat song, but it was a cover that was at number one for five weeks, five weeks. There was nothing upbeat about the original lyrics from Psalm 137 that David read for us. King David, who wrote many of the Psalms, including Psalm 51, that Nick explored with us two weeks ago, was alive around about 1000 BC. And probably this Psalm was written roughly 430 years later. Are you ready for a brief look at ancient Israeli history. I know you love me and Nick doing this, so we're going to try and look at a little bit of Israeli history in about a minute or two or three or four. That'd be okay. Good, that's going to be fine, isn't it? It's cheating, but it's okay. Now, Solomon's temple was finished around about 960 BC, and then the kingdoms of Israel and Judah split from each other around about 930 BC. Most of the northern kings of Israel didn't follow God. In fact, most of them did very ungodly things. And in 722 BC, Assyria took the 10 northern tribes into exile. The southern kingdom, they had a mixture of very good kings, good kings and okay, okay kings. And over a period of time from around about 586 BC, most of the inhabitants of Judah were taken into Babylon, into exile. The majestic temple that had been created and built by Solomon was destroyed, along with much of the capital of Jerusalem. Can you imagine if you were in Jerusalem at the time, what that was like? How would you have felt? Can you imagine walking around 900 miles over maybe about four months to go into exile in Babylon? Every step was a step further away from your homeland. And more importantly, it seemed as a step away from God because the Jews felt that God dwelt in the temple in Jerusalem. They'd seen it totally destroyed by the Babylonians and now they were being carried into a strange place by their enemy. This new place wouldn't be their home. It would have been very beautiful architecturally. We know that because there's plenty of examples in different museums around the world, because Babylon at that time had a lot of power and a lot of money. And they wanted all their inhabitants and their visitors and the people who didn't want to be there to know that they had the power and the prestige. So it was a very beautiful place with palaces, temples and even the hanging gardens that maybe many of you have heard about all very impressive. How would you feel though if you're in exile in this seemingly beautiful place but it seemed that God was 900 miles away from you? As the, the psalmist reflected on life back in Jerusalem by the rivers of Babylon, that's the Euphrates and the Tigris, the Bible says that he or she sat and wept. There's a Hebrew word, borkor, 
And that means to weep, mourn and moan. And it would have been very easy to weep, mourn and moan in Babylon. Things were bad and there didn't seem to be any hope at all. You all know me as a very happy person and that's what I am. But I want to tell you that some of you know this already, but there was a time in my life when emotionally it hurt to be alive. My life was changing dramatically and I felt like I was careering into a, uh, uh, in slow motion, into a, into a crash that was going to be terrible. And my mum and dad helped me a lot in that period because at that time I hadn't quite met Jill, otherwise I know she'd have helped me through it. But I know God was with me. He was with me during the trials I experienced then. And after a few months, I become a new person. I'm reminded of Psalm 30 verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read it from the Jubilee Bible. Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that I may sing glory unto thee and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks unto thee forever. And you probably think of girders as these big metal steel things that hold and support things. But if you gird something, you're just encircling, you're surrounding something. And I know in my time when I was having devastation in my life, I definitely felt girded with gladness by God. Circumstances were terrible, but God was with me. The Psalms are full of people expressing their different emotions in different circumstances, aren't they? And often they're saying they're putting their trust in God. We all know Psalm 23 verse 4, it says this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Last week, Fiona was talking about Daniel and his prayer and his life. And in chapter nine, what she was referring to is this great prayer that he just prays to God. But then in the following chapter that happened just a little while longer, in chapter 10, verse, 13, verse uh, 19, something special happened to Daniel. In the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it says this. He said, that's God. Don't be afraid, you who are treasured by God. Peace to you. Be very strong. As he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. That's just such a beautiful thing, isn't it? That last week we were thinking about Daniel and how he was praying to God and putting him first. And now just a chapter later, when he needed God's strength in his life to accomplish something important, he knew God was strengthening him. Just by being with God, that made all the difference. Eventually, after 70 years of exile, the southern kingdom went back to Jerusalem. Their exile was over, thanks in part to people like Ezra and Nehemiah. The temple was rebuilt. Is it time for you today to move into greater freedom 
than you have at the moment. We can all remember past and wonderful times we've had with loved ones. Is it time to let you, let God strengthen you again for the future and not just be thinking back to the past? Are you willing to let God take care of you, even in your circumstances that you're in now, rather than really trying to look after yourself? Is it time to move from the exile that you feel you're in now to a place where things might not be so different, but you know that God is with you? He's here to protect you. He's here to give you courage and comfort. He's even here to turn your mourning into dancing. In the 19th century, there was a well-known man called Horatio Spafford who lived in Chicago. He had a lot of money, but some things happened to him that really did something to his life. First of all, his four-year-old son died. And then in 1871, there was a big fire in Chicago where a lot of his property was destroyed. And so that meant he was financially ruined. In 1873, he heard God call him to help him with an evangelist, Dwight L. Moody. You've probably heard of him. And he was an evangelist from America who went to this country and was going to do some evangelism over here. And he arranged that he and his family would go over and help. Moody to do this evangelism. It was all in God's will. He had some uh, business to sort out, so he sent his, his family, his four daughters and his wife to go over to England and he'd be with them within a few days. Unfortunately, when the ship was in the middle of the Atlantic, it hit another ship and it sank. There were 313 passengers and crew on board, 226 of them drowned, including his four daughters. When his wife got to Cardiff, because that was where she was taken to, she sent a short telegram to him. And then within a few days, he was coming as soon as he could to see his wife and to console her. While he was on that journey, he wrote a great hymn that many of us know. And we're going to sing it in a few minutes. Some verses in Isaiah chapter 43 I want to say first, though. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. And some of us might be experiencing really hard times at the moment, illness, loneliness, COVID, all sorts of things. 
And I want to pray for you now that the Lord would help you in these difficult times to see that he is with you and that he would strengthen you and that all our lives would change because of that. So, Lord, we do thank you for so many examples in the Bible and through history, Lord, where people, even though they've been in dire straits, in terrible situations, they relied on you. They gave their all to you. They trusted in you and they knew that you were with them. Thank you, Lord, for even ourselves. Lord, we trust in you for what is coming up and what we're experiencing now. And we'll give our lives to you again, knowing that you're taking control. We are in a safe place with you. Lord, we bless you and we thank you. Where we have been trying to take control ourselves, Lord, we give you control of our lives. Come and work in us and in us and through us, Lord. Strengthen us where we need strengthening. Help us where we need helping. But we desire to put you first, Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing, When peace like a river attendeth my way, it is well with my soul. Even though that gentleman had lost his four daughters, and already so much bad things have happened, he knew it was well with his soul. Oh! 
shipwreck and a young son through illness but Lord we know you're with us in the difficult situations and circumstances that we face and we just know you're with us thank you Lord for making us different on the inside so that we can face the external things that we all face Lord we are very grateful amen amen so today is remembrance Sunday and we remember those that have died in wars in the past hundred years or so. Obviously, Ken, you're waving to me. Is it just because you wanted to wave or is there a reason then? That's okay. I'm just making sure that you can hear me. I can say, can you hear me mother? Because my mother can hear me, hopefully. Yes, there she is, giving a wave. That's fine and dandy. Brilliant and, and, and uh, thumbs up all round. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you very much. So we know that millions of people died in the First World War. And in a way, the First World War has changed the way that the UK and many other countries looks physically. Because there are tens of thousands of memorials built throughout the country, big cities, small villages, hamlets, stately homes even have them. All these memorials to people that have often names carved into them. Before the First World War, there were a few war memorials around the country, like for the Boer War and things like that. But we see so many things, so many memorials around the country now, that we just think it's just normal. But until 100 years ago, they weren't there. It was just a few memorials around. Most families were affected in the First World War by death, by mental illness or physical incapacity. In fact, this photo here shows my granddad and his six brothers and sisters and his mum at a wedding in 1912. And two of the people that are on that photo died in the First World War, two of his older brothers. There was enormous amount of grief and, and sorrow that were in people's homes, in people's hearts at the end of the First World War. Now, a few years ago, I was in Tamworth Library a lot because I wanted to read about what was going on in Tamworth during the First World War. So I've read most of the Tamworth Heralds from about 1914 to about 1923. And there's an enormous amount of poignant in memoriams in the classifieds. We think sort of in that part of the if history, people didn't really overtly talk about their feelings. But if you read the thousands of classifieds that were written for the people that had died, 
you can see people's emotions really clearly. People were grief-stricken for their loved ones who died. Millions around the world would have mourned in the early 1920s because of the catastrophic effects of the First World War. And as we've heard already, people in Babylon, in exile, the Jews there, they were mourning, they were grief-stricken, they had sorrow too. Here it is, Psalm 137, just verse 1 from the message. Alongside Babylon's rivers, we sat on the banks. We cried and cried, remembering the good old days in Zion. Alongside the quake in Aspens, we stacked our unplayed harps. That's where our captors demanded songs, sarcastic and mocking. Sing us a happy Zion song. How much are you mourning and lamenting about what is going on in the world today? We're looking at great prayers of the Bible in October and November. And remember, praying is simply having a conversation with God. This psalmist was grieving and lamenting about how hard it was to sing the Lord's song whilst in exile. In the first small talk that we that I sort of uh, shared a few minutes ago, hopefully I was encouraging you all that even if we do have difficult times, God brings us through. It's not forever. But let's think a bit more about that. Maybe God is saying, don't forget to lament and grieve now. Does God want us to lament and grieve about what is going on around the world today? Perhaps not for ourselves so much, but definitely for other people. According to the John Hopkins University in the northeast of America, as of yesterday, 48,475 people had died of COVID in the UK. 1,251,797 had died around the world. Now, of course, we're not going to talk about the validity of statistics. That's what we're not here to do today. But it's certain that millions of people have lost a family member or a friend or just someone they knew down the street. How much are we standing with them? in their grief and their sorrow. Last year, 530,841 people died in England and Wales. Today, it's estimated that between 21 and 45 million people are trapped in modern day slavery. All kinds of people are suffering and eaten. It might be physical, mental, economic, but they're going through trauma. What are we doing to help them? The Abortion Act was passed in 1967. And yesterday I looked at a government paper on it and it said that last year there were 207,000 uh, 2,700,304 
no, let me start that again. 207,384 abortions for women resident in England and Wales. And in the same sentence of that, that this government paper said that was the highest number in a year since the act was passed. It was like they were saying, oh, this is brilliant. This is the highest number that has ever happened since 1967. How do you feel about that? We were talking about how did we feel when the psalmist was experiencing grief, when the Jews had to go into exile? How did it feel amongst all these beautiful places? Still inside, there was grief and sorrow and loss. What are we doing about experiencing and helping people that are experiencing those same things today? This Friday, the Evangelical Alliance are asking the church in the UK to hold a day of prayer for our country. Now, at the moment, that's all that's been announced. There's nothing else that's been given by them to say, this is some ideas, these are some information about it. But probably MCF, we're going to have a sort of a prayer time sometime. I'll, when I find out details, we'll perhaps try and organise something. So we can pray even for half an hour for our country, just like a lot of the rest of the church for the capital C is doing in our country as well. We can get worn out by all those statistics, can't we? All these facts. It can just sort of crowd us down and make us tired. We can't do things that will last on our own. If we're going to take, do real prayer and real action that will last and make a difference, we need God to help us, don't we? He, he doesn't just turn our morning into dancing. He can turn the morning that people around the world and around the need and are experiencing today into dancing for them as well. But we've got to be obedient, haven't we, to what God says. It's easy for me to remind you that Jesus said go in Matthew 28, 19. And the Greek word there is to go from one destination to another. It's to transport. And we're just thinking that maybe we need to go on a journey as individuals and collectively to say, yes, Lord, help us to alleviate and help and encourage those that are suffering. God does bring us through times of personal and individual grief and sorrow. And we all suffer that from time to time. But if we're mature disciples, maybe God is causing us to experience in sorrow and lament for the society around us. We need to answer God's call on that, don't we? And as I've said, we need his help to see us through. It's Remembrance Sunday and we're remembering the physical times of war over the last century and a bit. But God wants to remind us that we're all in a spiritual war. We're all soldiers. And God is our commander in chief. And he hasn't just given us a command to go. He's given us the power to stand to fight and to see his kingdom extended as the powers of darkness are pushed back. Today is the day to accept his invitation and to commit ourselves to prayer and to action.
We have to say, Lord, I need you. I want you. I want to be available for you to use. So in a moment, we're going to sing a song together. I'm going to say, Lord, help me. I'm thirsting. Help me to know you more. Help me to develop in the ways that you want me to know you. Help me to follow you. Run to 
So what we're going to do, we're going to have a time of prayer now for those people, for us, really, us, that we say, Lord, we need your help. We see people around us that are thirsting. Will you give us the strength and the encouragement and the the, woo, the, the, the resources that we already have? But will you help us, Lord, to stand up and to be counted? So if you want to take yourself off mute and just pray out loud, just short prayers, that'd be great. A few of us will pray that. That'd be wonderful. Lord, we just come to you today as we remember all our loved ones who gave their lives for us in both in the First World War, the Second World War, and other wars. And pray, Lord, that they did not die in vain. And we just ask your blessing on all of us at this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Yes, Lord, we don't want to live our lives for ourselves. We want to live our lives for you and for other people. Thank you, Lord, that you are encouraging us and helping us and giving us the power to do this. So we submit ourselves to you and say, Lord, use us. Amen.
So Lord, today we do submit ourselves to you. Come and be our Lord, be our Saviour and Lord help us to affect the people we see around us because of your power and your love and kindness in us. Amen. 